Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dan from Dapper Media. Welcome to Fellas and Gents MMA. Today, we are joined by none other than Andre Dayul. How are you doing today, Andre? Wonderful, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so definitely enjoying it with the smile. Definitely, and I mean, you just came off a fantastic fight on Covington versus Woodley against Erwin Rivera, and that was a fight of the night by, I mean, a lot of people's eyes. Kind of just run us through what was going on in that, or what you were going through in that fight, and kind of your mindset, because there were a lot of times you could have finished that fight, and it was very, you know, it was a very interesting fight to see him keep pushing forward. That warrior spirit by both of you was absolutely exemplary and just absolutely amazing to watch. So just run us through what you were thinking in the moment. One, thank you for uh, classifying as in like fight of the night. Like I feel like all my fights are normally like fight of the night, but they just don't give me the fight of the night. So you know, but uh, hands down, uh, just like I said, there was moments I could have finished the fight, but the dude, his heart. No matter how you end up looking at it, heart to uh, carry you long ways, especially if you have a chin to follow suit with it. You know, because everybody knows I was cracking the mess out of the bad boy and I was throwing it and I was hitting him and my hands just walking. You know, he was able to take it. But everything ends up happening in that direction, you know. New uh, strategy to be able to, uh, for my next up, or, you know, for the future upcoming fights, just got to uh, go back to the drawing board and make sure I start finishing all the fights because at this end of the day, finishing fights is more important than uh, winning, supposedly. So <laughs> we got to end up making uh, stuff happen. So that's, that's where I'm at and where my head's at with it. Definitely. In the fight, we saw you throwing a lot of, I mean, for me, you made mention in previous interviews before this one that you've been, you're probably one of the fastest, hand, you got probably got some of the fastest hands in the UFC. And I mean, after that fight, it's hard not to say otherwise. And just the kicks and the hands, it was absolutely amazing to see kind of. Uh, so who do you think like actually has like the fastest hands? Like, would you classify yourself as like a top three or like number one? Like, how do you see yourself? I'm going to classify myself as number one. Like, it, it, there's no time for number two. What, what did Ricky Bobby say? They said, if you ain't first, you last. So, in my eyes, I'm number one. You know, arguably, who can end up, uh, honestly, challenging me with hand speed? If anything, it'll probably have to go up weight and say Max, because he's the one that puts out a good um, value of punches out on with punches and everything. But in reality, it's more heavy shots than speed. I got speed, you know? And then, granted, I know once I move up to uh, 45 in the future, as in, like, you know, like a, a future thing for me, that I know my uh, my power is going to end up uh, coming back and it's going to be sitting with me, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I honestly feel like I have the fastest and the best hands in the UFC. Better than Odell Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Odell Beckham got some amazing hands. Uh, yeah. I think that actually a thing that's really interesting for me is just the over, overall the, your past two fights against two very game opponents, Erwin Rivera and Jonathan Martinez. Obviously, we saw Jonathan Martinez coming off a great win against Thomas Almeida. You having beat Jonathan Martinez, do you see do you see yourself fighting a top fifteen ranked opponent next? Because honestly, I think it's you're just right outside there. I think it's it's a very plausible option. I think it's something that should happen. Because you've fought game opponents that are currently in the top. You fought Marlon Vera. You fought former champion Hennon Burrell. I think it's, you know, right there. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. No, I definitely agree with you. Because um, you're not, like, really the only person. Like, my team is also saying they're saying, or majority of all my team. It's, like, literally, like, out of, say, like, five, probably one. It's, like, saying, oh, we should just kind of, like, pancake it in, you know, get the check first. But in reality, I'm here to make a let. You know, I'm here to make history and try to be the best you know and for me to try to be the best i gotta fight the best so i can be the best so in reality 
you know, I'm always game. Like I said, I fight game opponents, and I'm down to fight game opponents. And those um, opponent, or I'm a game opponent, and those opponents that I want is the most dangerous. You got to think about it. The top 15 is all dangerous. Every one of them. Either two-time national wrestler or, you know, black belt in, um, like, in, um, you know, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then at the same time, they have boxing. Me, I am the one that has hands all damn day. I can also kick. I can kick all day. And at the same time, I have wrestling that's able to keep up and defend off these black belts. So at the end of the day, I fit perfectly with the top 15. So obviously, my fights should be top 15, you know. Um, and granted, like, you know, uh, like last week, there was a fight with um, Taha versus Barcelo. Yeah. Out one of those names that was supposed to try to fight uh, Barcelo. Um, but basically, he didn't take the fight, or it was one of those like one week notice, and I needed to, I, I was only able to drop down to 140, and they wanted to go at 135, and then Taha's opponent dropped out, so they, they just made that, that fight ha- happen. So now, if I would have ended up saying, for instance, I would have fought Barcelo or Taha, one of the two, our fight would have been so exciting. And I would definitely came off uh, victorious that they would have had to rank me off in that fight, you know, because I believe uh, Barcelo's like, like say for instance it's one through fifteen, but what if I told you there's like one through thirty, but you just only see the first fifteen, and Barcelo's is supposed to be ranked number sixteen out of the um, out of the place, and I'm like number twenty seven out of the place. So me to fight sixteen would have end up either ranking me or would have put me at sixteen where I would have been knocking on uh, Chito uh, Vera's door. Unless, you know, he ends up winning yeah. his... Uh, Aldo fight, yeah. Aldo fight, you know. And right now, it's a great chance that he does beat uh, Aldo. Because um, right now, it's like Aldo... Don't get me wrong, that's a good fight, but Aldo's like... Kind of coming off, yeah. In my eyes, Aldo's like good for like two, the first two rounds. And then the last one, he's going to kind of like waver it. Or he's going to pick a round where he kind of takes off, you know. And with Chito, you can't take anything off. You got to be... You know, you got to be on your heads and you know, basically got to be on your toes. Definitely. I mean, the division you're talking about with that bantamweight division, we have a lot of fights. I think that's probably the most active division right now. So I think that to want a top 15 opponent, it's very plausible and a reasonable demand, especially for someone of your caliber. After, you mean, you can make the argument. I mean, Jonathan Martinez beating Thomas Almeida, former, you know, challenged Cody Garban, fought Cody Garban, fought, he was supposed to be the top of the division guy. You've beaten him who beat Thomas Almeida. You've beaten Erwin Rivera. It's, I mean, there's a case to be made. And I think a very, um, just personal, ma- not even matchmaking, because I'm not Sean Shelby, but I think that a fight that really, uh, I think appeals to the fans for me is, uh, that Yerong Song fight, uh, at the top 15, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's a, I think that would be a great fight and an instant barn burner just to kind of see, you know, to break into that top 15. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, to be honest, I honestly like that fight because I want him a big fan of, uh, of Song, you know? Uh, dudes, 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 really good, man. Um, explosive, just like me, I'm very explosive. You know, he has power or, you know, his size and it's really impact where I got like power and speed from a long range. And that can also end up playing the close, um, close, uh, melee type combat, uh, situation. And to be honest, I actually like that fight. And people already been saying that fight for like a long time, uh, after I fought, uh, I think it was Dos Santos. They're like trying to get me to fight him, and or they're trying to match us up. But it ended up me fighting Chito because no one wanted to fight Chito, so I ended up taking on um, Chito. But 
Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's a fight that will end up love to take or you know love to do. And I feel like it's going to happen, and it's going to happen sometime, uh, probably in January. Like uh, Notorious is card. I'm gonna try to jump on that one. That'll probably most likely be my next one. So they might end up making that happen, and if they don't, then it might be Barcelos. So it's gonna be one of those damn two. You know, the way I look at it is I want the more dangerous, and obviously the number is always gonna be something that I I want to end up taking over. Cause I ain't gonna stop until I'm basically number one, number two, basically I'm, um, you know, the one that's holding the uh, the belt. Cause you know, like I said, if you ain't first, you last. Definitely, that's a great mindset to hold. And just to kind of go back to a point you mentioned, you mentioned uh, possibly moving up to featherweight soon, or just the idea of featherweight lingering lingering in the back of your head. I think. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts because obviously we've seen a lot of people moving up and down a weight class, most notably just recently in your division, Frank Edgar coming down to 135, beating Pedro Munoz, taking over his number. But uh, with the with the idea of fighting at flyweight, like I know a lot of bantamweights are kind of a flexibility with Cody Garban obviously challenging F- Davis and Figueredo for the title, then ultimately leaving, ultimately uh, getting out of the bout for, due to injury. But would the idea of fighting at 125 ever like entice you? Or do you feel like that's a reasonable thing to kind of try to make? Because I think that division, I think it's a very, you know, interesting division. And right now there's not many fighters there. And I think you could definitely make a case for a fight down there. And it's, I just love to see it. That's a, a division I'd love to see you at. But like the, <laughs> I'm way too big. Or like this. I don't know if, and if you end up like reading like majority of the comments. Like, you can literally jump on, like, uh, me and Schmo's uh, interview that we did. Um, like, most people comment. And it's not, basically, it's not, like, very, like, out of, out of the, you know, out of the world type thing. It, it yeah. actually comes out, like, every day. Um, dang, he fights at 35. He's big. I'm really big. Like, mm-hmm. um, people, like, on the thing, it says, like, I'm 5'8". I'm actually 5'11". Oh, you know? okay. So me getting down to 35, it takes me three weeks to get there. You know? Oh, yeah. If, and that's with uh, me already in shape type thing to cut down to mm-hmm. 35. Uh, if I'm out of shape, I'm going to need at least six to five weeks. And then, you know, I can make that uh, make that uh, cut if I'm not working out or training or anything, you know. So, and don't get me wrong, like my last weight cut, um, people felt like, oh, maybe I could have dropped down to 25. But that would have been impossible. It's like one of those things. I know my body frame. I know me. That twenty five, it's like out out of the question. But now forty five, like I said, since I'm like a guy that literally walks around about five eleven, and my weight is like one sixty. If I'm actually training to be at one fifty or one forty five, I will sit perfectly. And at the same time, like most people, like feel like all right. Uh, put it like this: if I went up to forty five, how I end up starting my fights. Like, you know, first round, like, I'm very explosive, very, like, you know, onto it. That if I moved up to 45, every round would be just like that. It won't be like, uh, you know, where I'm explosive first round and then the second round, hey, I'm I'm, pick, I'm basically unboxing and picking my opponent apart. And then the third round, it's basically restart it up or figure out what I have to do or what's going on with me, you know. But uh, it comes down to what I was sitting there speaking on Aldo, you have to end up. There's a strategy of how you have, he has to fight. And for him to fight Cheeto, you know, Cheeto starts off slow. That's everybody knows. That's how he is. But it ain't really slow. It's just getting that. Getting adjusted. Know, yeah. Get, getting adjusted in the first round. And then the second round, he starts picking it up. And then third round, it's either finish you or he beats you really bad to that moment that it just comes off as in, 
he was just a better opponent. In reality, he just took off the first round. So he's really go he's, his mindset's really only to fight two rounds. First round, it's hey, I'm gonna I'm flow with you. If I catch you, I catch you. If I don't, it's cool because I'm giving up the first round. And then you got people like me. It's nah, let me finish this fight now so we don't got to worry about the later rounds. And then you know sometimes it backfires because you know it, 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 everything depends on what opponent you have. You know, because when I fought Cheeto, I was given, you know, after that little attempt of a choke, I was actually putting a lot of pressure on him and, you know, was working. Started out fast. I was, you know, I was getting off of my shots and everything. And then the second round, I was getting off and then until the last like 15 seconds where I started to die down. It was because I'm, I'm going to be real it was because of damn uh, Florida, the humidity out there, man. It was getting to your boy, you know, because your boy, uh, you know, like worked out really hard in, uh, in the back, but it is what it is. Um, but everybody knows it's like a strategy. So for me to move up to 45, it's a really more of a uh, perfect place for me. But just trying to control uh, 35 so I'm able to go back and forth because I want to be the title holder at 35 or at 35 and a title holder at 45 and then go up to uh, 55 if I got to. Definitely. And I mean, understanding those body limitations is really important and understanding where your body's at, where you stand, that it's it's a really nice thing to know. And for you to, for you to know that and for you to understand that, it's just... It, it shows that you're above a lot more fighters because a lot more fighters won't really take into take into consideration their the body element of it or just the cutting down to the weight. And I think it's really nice to understand that. And kind of just wanted to get into your kind of uh, MMA journey because uh, for me, it, the not gonna lie, I've got into MMA really recently, and I think that I for me, fighter journeys are really interesting and really inspirational for me as someone you know, trying to get into the sport, just trying to do it recreationally. So I'd love to see, like, kind of uh, where your MMA journey started. Like, how did you get into MMA? Uh, truth be told, like, it, it started at the age of seven. I'm 32, you know, about to be 33, coming soon. Um, it was just one of those things uh, where this when I was, like, growing up, you know, fighting was life. You know, it didn't matter how you end up looking at it. Somebody wanted to pick on you. You know, you're the new student at, at, uh, at a new school. So it's like one of those, I got the um, understanding of like uh, Taekwondo, boxing and wrestling and, you know, everything kind of like just built from there, but never took it serious. And I just became more of a more of a fan of boxing when the, you know, when that kind of calling came, went in that direction, didn't plan or didn't pan out the way I wanted. And a situation occurred where a judge kind of like looked at me with no value. And that was that mindset of, hey. Want to never want to be looked at like that again, you know, and I end up getting some value in my life and something that I, you know, everything I always end up going back to is me fighting. So it was basically a stardom of trying to be the most famous person in California and then slash in the world type thing, you know, where anybody that anything I ever asked for, I automatically will get like it's like a little mindset like that. I don't like things getting taken away from me. I don't like people getting taken away from me. I don't like stuff to end up getting snatched and I did everything I can to keep it you know no one likes that it's a vulnerability and I don't like looking weak because there was a time that I was really at my lowest and weakest point that basically suicide was the talk and attempted type thing you know so with that being said I came just know I came from a long way so my journey brought me and took me into the right direction where I'm here, where I'm able to sit there and speak on me saying I have the fastest hands, me saying that I, I could be the best fighter in the world. You just got to put me in the cage and allow me to do it, you know, and end up showcasing it. 
So my journey goes into um, so many directions, but it led me into this this spot right here. So different roads that got me to here. This is my journey. Definitely. And I mean, just off that, I mean, it's so inspiring to hear that kind of stuff because a lot of people don't take into consideration the amount of adversity that fighters have to overcome, the roadblocks. Just for some, for some people, they have the privilege of just training mixed martial arts recreationally without really taking into consideration that that's some people's only option. And I think that for most fighters, it's it's the fights that speak a thousand words. It's the emotions during the fight. It's all those different mechanics and dynamics that really come to show the character of a person. And I think just in what you've described, it's really it's really inspiring just from that, hearing that, you know, for a lot of people that is it's their only option or if anything, it's like a it's like an escape from the reality. And it's really inspiring to hear something like that. It's really heartwarming and heartwarming in the sense that, you know, it makes you feel happy for the person that they they got somewhere in life because at the end of the day i wouldn't even wish something bad upon my worst enemy and to hear something like that as as you know it's it's good to see everyone succeed because at the end of the day we're all human we got to see everyone succeed everyone prosper that's that's the hope and the intention and i just i mean i want to know if the, if there was ever a fight that kind of was life-changing or it really had a special place in your heart now that i think about uh it's me versus dennis five uh and you know it's a CES uh, title fight that I got called for in uh, Rhode Island. You know he was the hometown superhero. You know, and I was a superhero in California, but it was one of those I'm over there, so it doesn't really matter where I'm from. Over there, it's their hometown hero. And that fight, I literally had to dig. Like people end up getting it because you know I had st- it was a five round fight, but my mindset was finish it first. Uh, in the first round, you know, each round I treated it like it's the first round and that was the mindset and low key kind of, you know, it kind of, uh, backfired on me, but it ended up opening up another door where it let people know that I, you know, I belong and I had heart, you know, and it was one of those situations cause I came out hot, you know, throwing out the two, two's like smacking, he's blocking it and I'm, but I'm throwing it, you know? And it got to this moment where I was winning up on the exchange on top that he had to wrestle. And it literally came down who was a better wrestler, better jits, and better uh, boxer. I had the better hands. He had the better wrestling, but I had the better jits. And that's what deferred. It was two to one, you know. And that fight ended up taking that place and taking me so far. Because it landed me into the whole Brazil hen and brow fight where I was supposed to lose that and but like I stated CES put me on the uh, put me on the map me fighting Dennis Piver put me on the the big map because I thought I would have been the one when I fought uh, uh, Gustavo Lopez in the beginning of the year which one he just fought done, got done fighting uh, last weekend with a first round finish so that's what's up uh, but yeah when I fought him I thought that would have been like the big fight that will land me into the UFC but it didn't which it should have, because he was in talks of walking in on the contender or walking on uh, on the UFC. Didn't happen. LFA. It was just one of those another doorways to get me where I needed to go, and that brought me to the CES. So, yeah. So there you go. That, that was the life changing uh, fight. I think um, just a lot of people seem to under appreciate like a lot of um, different organizations or just underestimate like. Uh, the different impacts that different organizations can have on people and I wanted to actually know kind of just out of curiosity like 
we see a lot of people going from LFA to UFC, and you fought for LFA, King of the Cage, UFC, and Gladiator. How would you how would you say fighting for the UFC kind of uh, stacks up against uh, all these other... I mean, I imagine, obviously, it's the number one organization, but just kind of made that journey to the top, finally getting there. Kind of, what's the feeling? Uh, feeling's amazing. Before I started it, six, or six months before my first fight, I said, in two years, I'm going to... Um, making in the UFC, you know, people around me laughing, you know, people, okay, you know, you know, you get that little, uh, all right, type moment, you know, the shrug off, shrug you off type thing. And, and at that time, you know, it was me hustling my ass off. No, no matter how you look at it, I was hustling my ass off. Um, and that ended up turning into the moment of every fight, every fight that's happening, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. Yeah, a little minor setback, but winning and winning. That it didn't take two years, but it took two years and a half. So two years, six months, literally. Uh, I ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, fighting for the uh, CES belt. And not those same people that said they wasn't believing in me or just shrugging me off, all behind me, have my back, you know, um, and try and do everything they can to, you know, help push what's, you know, what started type thing. So it's funny how a small success of believing in yourself can end up changing people's point of views and, you know, mindset. And that right there from, from a gladiator, king of the cage, LFA to CES to uh, UFC, which LFA and CES are basically even, you know, just one has one uh, region while the other has the other, you know? So, so for me to honestly fight for all those and then land me in the UFC, you know, you gotta, you can only do a smile. Cause especially when you sit there and tell people that you're going to be there in two years and it takes two years and some change, you know, you set a goal and you put your mind into it that anything is possible. And it's just all you've got to do is believe it and put the work in behind it and then have the right people that you need to make it happen. At the end of the day, you can't do everything by yourself. At the end of the day, I got where I got to without a manager, um, to the LFA without a manager. And then the, as soon as I got a manager, I got to CES, and then that manager got me to UFC. So I'm the cake. Everybody else is like the frosting and, you know, the decoration. And then the manager is the candles. Boom. Definitely. And just talking about setting a good example for anyone, just the fans at home and just for your kids and like positivity over negativity and just overall positive energy. Uh, I imagine like a lot of digging deep and just a lot of trying to find, you know, the, the best out of the worst situations and uh, talk, talk about keeping like a positive outlook. Cause I mean, of a lot of people I've brought on this podcast, no one has kind of had more of a positive energy or just a more outgoing energy than yourself. And I kind of just want to get that idea of like, um, just kind of balancing life and mixed martial arts and just kind of, you know, keeping a positive outlook, looking at to the best of things and just what your overall outlook is on those sorts of things. Just like I stated, I mean, you got to keep it positive. You got to automatically think of everything that's positive about everything. Cause in reality, we're all human, you know, we, we're all human, you know, and even animals have bad days. Like you got to think about it. You got some like type of a lion that doesn't get to eat for a few days and then eventually pow, he starts to eat. You know, it's one of those things where you just got to honestly keep hope and faith on certain situations. 
Like, you know, say, for instance, you get up. Because, you know, like everybody knows, like when you wake up, yeah, you know, you don't know what mood you're going to be, be in. So in other words, it's really hard to trust yourself, you know, because uh, you can wake up angry, you can make up sad, you can make up happy. But say, for instance, you wake up happy, um, you make yourself a bowl of cereal, you drop your bowl. You break the glass, the milk's all over the place, you know, you, you know, you're freaking out. All right. You're mad. You're irritated. You probably throw out about a few customers. Right. And then it's funny that you're dwelling on it. You're dwelling on it. And you realize you can just buy another bowl. You realize you can just make another bowl of cereal. You realize you can pour more milk. And if you don't have no milk, you drive to go get the milk. Regardless of the situation, you start realizing what you what you can do and what you have. And then that right there becomes that positive energy that starts to flow. And then don't get me wrong, it like normally comes into twos and threes, you know, like you might drop the bowl. You might have not no more milk. And then, hey, you try to jump in your car and someone cuts you off. As soon as that happens, more and more of the day goes by, you're starting to sit there and see things are starting to smooth out. And, hey, you get to talk about it. Like, hey, I had a bad day today. And then, I had to, I had to, or, you know, this morning wasn't the best. But I'm here. So now you would happen. You're looking through or looking for the little positive things that ends up happening. And then eventually those little small things will start becoming big, bigger and bigger. And the next you know it, that one bowl that you broke, you messed around and found yourself a unique bowl that doesn't break, you know, or you wanted to uh, end up finding yourself a new um, cereal that just popped up on the goddamn um, frame today. And then the day you got to end up looking at like certain, uh, certain things, what ends up could make you happy or the little small things. It might just happen that it got nothing to do with the cereal that you might actually learn the whole new song today. Like, you know, like a song low key came on and you might have enjoyed that song. And now it's automatically giving you that energy and positive uh, flow that, Hey, you're good to go. And next, you know, you might've found a hundred dollars um, in your pocket. Who knows? But normally when you end up looking for positive things, positive things starts to follow and then it starts to get better and then you don't have any more bad or you don't have that bad day no more. So automatically just sit there and smile. Aim aim for something better. You know, aim to let, you know, one, get, let yourself, let it be out. Release your anger. Because you trying to hold it just makes it worse. And that's where the, like, it comes in threes. But if you end up like letting it out, you know, it's like one of those, hey, I need the cuss. Go ahead and go ahead and curse curse that little word out and then as soon as that happens, you're done. Then you start realizing I can't get mad and then you move on. Positive emotions, man. Definitely. And I mean, you mentioned keeping a positive outlook and not letting that negative energy kind of dictate your lifestyle, looking at it, kind of releasing a little bit of it. And I think in a year as, you know, terrible as twenty twenty just looking at you and your positive energy and there's a specific thing for me that is kind of really that lighthearted aspect which is obviously the Derek Lewis fight you mentioned in some of your other interviews and just the, the, the humorous aspect there and like the banter there I think it's like it's really nice to keep that positive energy but like have you actually uh spoken to Derek Lewis and just kind of uh, joked around with him about that or uh no last time I spoke to Derek Lewis is when we, we fought on uh the Houston Carp when I fought Martinez mm -hmm. and I promise you, I was sitting in the, uh, the little sauna suit or sauna uh, chair thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And him and his boys or him and his trainers and, you know, his, uh, his, uh, or him, his coaches and his tra uh, training partners all walked in. And I promise you, I, it's like the last day, the day, you know, the day before me, uh, 
jumping in on the scale and everything. So I'm probably like 36. I got a pound to burn. And they walk in, all up in here eating Skittles, cracking open a soda. You know, uh, when I say soda, like they drinking soda. And I felt like Derek was also drinking soda. I know he was eating a lot of damn Skittles. And I was like, oh, that's fucked up. You know, and then they like, I, I guess I scared them because, you know, it was like really quiet and I was just in there and they walked in. And I was like, oh, that's just messed up, you know? And it's like, oh, you guys are just going to eat in front of me. And, like, you know, so we all, like, joked around about that, you know? And then I was like, so I was like, yeah, next time, make sure you guys, you know, bring me, like, some food and whatnot. I was like, because, like, it's kind of rude just, like, you know, leave me over here by myself and that, or leave me over here with no food and everything. So, you know, we, like, joked around about that and stuff like that. Derek Lewis is nothing but a cool person. But still, you got, you know, it's, he got to get these hands. You feel me? You got to joke around and he got to get these hands. And that same thing about John Jones, too, in the future. Everybody, they all can get it. They all want the smoke. They all want the smoke, man. I mean, excellent. I, I mean, that's a what a better place to end that podcast on than just some lighthearted humor, keeping a positive outlook on, like, thank you for coming on the podcast, Andre. I mean, it was truly inspirational to hear your story, just kind of your mindset, your goals. Definitely, I want to see you in top 15. I think the UFC definitely should give you a top 15 fight. Is there any... You know, message you want to give to the fans at home or any inspiring words or anything that you would love to, like, share with the fans? Well, here's one. A, a good way of keeping yourself positive for the fans. If you got to lie to yourself, keep that lie. Keep it automatically uh, pushing until that lie turns into the truth. Like, I, there's, a, there's basically years that I had to honestly tell myself that I'm okay. And I know I wasn't okay, but I had to constantly keep telling myself in the mirror that I was okay. And then next you know it, every day that's gone by, I start to believe it even more and more. And now I'm okay. Granted that I'm hurting, but I'm okay. Like, you know, you got to learn to accept the pain. And that's what it is. That's my message. Definitely. I mean, a great message anybody at home could, I mean, would love, I think, should take that message and use it to the best of their advantage. And Thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been Fells and Gents MMA with Andre Ewell. I'll be linking all of his socials down in the description. Go drop him a follow. Excellent human being, even better fighter, and an even greater human. This has been Dan from Dapper Media, and I'm out, guys. Have a great day.